0: Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective.
1: All right, and then there were two, and two more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn. That's me, joined alongside, as I am every week, by media executive Grail Hallett, an OTB producer and Syria Ah, specialist. A man who is very happy with his beloved Azuri right now. Is that how you say it, Sam Griswold? Azuri, Azuri, Azuri. not bad, yeah excuse i don't know you did a little chop in there all right good <laughs> so we got the we got the euro 2020 finals uh, coming up copa america finals as well so we'll go over all of that today so much great soccer guys on i got to admit to you i still have not done the homework assignment that i've assigned what is it 3 weeks now we're going on yeah. uh, to watch that cnn supposed puff piece on the us women's national team but before we get to any of that and maybe that We'll talk about a little later. But uh, before we get to any of that, guys, what are you over today on over the ball? Grail Hallett.
2: Well, first of all, I'm very happy, too, as you might uh, as you might figure out as an England supporter. But speaking of England supporters, I am over the cavemen like England supporters who boo the opponent's national anthem. I'm just yeah, it's like it, it, it's every stereotype of an English supporter. And I've got to say the bulk of English supporters, are good fair supporters however there is a percentage that's always existed that are a bunch of idiots and you know even Gary Lineker has been pleading with supporters in advance of the final against Italy appreciate the Italian national anthem it's a beautiful national anthem give it the respect it deserves and please 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 don't boo even if it was a bad national anthem bad music
1: you uh be basically i don't get that at all that is just so classless well
2: they are also the same supporters guys who boo when the england players take a knee in support of fighting racism so there you go that's the mentality of these guys
1: wow and uh well and i, I guess everybody has their bad fans we were you know going after the mexico fans and with good reason yes uh the last couple of weeks because by the way they behaved by the way they tried to make the games that were suspended the women's national team games. So it, it just <laughs> incredibly no, nice sexist and like <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, but uh, yeah, the England fans, that was pretty. pathetic, And they also yeah. put a laser in Casper Ka- Schmeichel's eyes, apparently. So that's being investigated. Yeah. So well done. a anyway. exactly. Snatch of way a snatch of defeat from the jaws <laughs> of victory morons. So Sam, what do you, uh, what do you have?
3: yeah i'm over uh just endless punditry surrounding uh any sporting event but you know particularly right now soccer because there's a right. lot of it going on um
2: i guess that means our podcast is going off the
3: air well i, I you know <laughs> we you know we we sort of fall into this category but no but i'm just i'm over like this over analysis of games that yeah you know I, I there's so little scoring in soccer it can so easily come down to a decision a bounce i mean I just want someone after one game, and I don't have a specific game in mind, but just to say, you know what, it was just a really good close game that could have gone either way. Because I and feel I think like that, that I has...
1: think both of the both of the semis were like that, Sam.
3: You know, yeah, I they, mean, they
1: were they were great. Yeah, and everybody like matches. And then everybody scratches their heads and says, where did you go wrong? It's like, well, it was a, it was a great matchup and there were well, yeah, opportunities and on both sides.
3: Especially with the penalty kicks, right? With Italy, yeah. Spain penalty kicks. I mean, people are going back through trying to find all these Spain mistakes from the, the 120 minutes they played. And it's like, you, you lost on penalties. It doesn't, I mean, I don't know.
2: One And by the way, Sam, I mean, Spain, had they had a finisher, could have put the game away in extra time. And there wouldn't have even been penalties because they yeah, had some absolutely. really good. So penalties would have been a moot point. Imagine having Murata up top and you don't and, you, and he's not a finisher. It's amazing. Well, I mean, he I scored least... some good goals to be fair to him, but he's you know, he also he also missed the deciding penalty, unfortunately.
1: Okay, Taylor Twillman. Uh,
2: <laughs> so, uh, I'm out here on Nantucket, guys.
1: It's uh, it's raining, that storm is moving up, uh up the coast. So I, I am just so thankful that con- the comedy festival is not this week, but next week. Um but the weather we're, we're having a simulcast actually i talked about it last week with you guys the festival sold out in like 70 minutes so we've had to do a simulcast which is going to show that the three nights of performances which you can go to nantucketcomedyfestival.com and you can sign up for if you'd like to watch all three of the uh of the night's performances but uh yeah some pretty cool things happening out here uh it's crowded like like you know like anything it's just just even the internet supposedly is all slow and cell phone service because there's so many people on the island and then uh last night i had uh you know a burger at one of my high-end burger joints that's out here that's all that's out here and a little barbara streisand sighting how about that that
2: did you you nuzzle into babs and have a little chat about the way we were what (laughs) no
1: but i was with uh, uh two friends of mine who were both jewish and they freaked out i'm like it must be a jewish thing man i'm like well, they, I mean, they go it is it is a jewish thing so apparently that's uh babs is, is really big i'm like oh okay uh, yeah i'll take your word for it and then james brolin walked in i was a bigger james brolin fan maybe i don't know
2: how, did, how does james brolin look these days pretty well
1: uh, better than you and i ever looked well there's a <laughs> i would say and uh, i think he's in his 70s
2: that's not hard i know exactly <laughs> so
1: uh all right so guys so some great uh, matchups my team was denmark i was pulling for them as i think a lot of people were um you know, I always have mixed emotions Uh, with, with England. Most of my coaches were English. Uh, Some were really good. Some were pain in the ass. Some weren't even great players or coaches, but because they had an English accent, they, um, they got a job. And uh, so I always had a sort of a always had mixed emotions about the English and how they're doing. Having said that, uh, as easy as England's ride has been this far, they've, they've had it easier than anyone else. I don't know if you guys would agree or disagree mm-hmm. with that. And playing in Wembley, wow, yeah. uh, what an advantage they've had. So it all seems to be written in the stars for them. I will say this is a new generation of English player. They're more cocky. They have a swagger. They believe in themselves a lot more. I think um, you know some of the broadcasters were mentioning how the teams of England past have, have always been like, little clicks and, and sniping at each other. Then you have to deal with the press, which was, would make the matters even worse, second guess everybody on everything, kind of like you were mentioning, Sam. So, uh, you know, good, good things. It's a new generation of English uh, players, uh, but I think they've had an easy run so far.
2: And, well, yeah, and, and props, first of all, props to Denmark, who had an amazing tournament, which started with that horrific on-field incident with Ericsson. And they uh, they managed to, I think, use that as a as a motivating factor, sure. you know, kind of playing for uh, Christian. And they just had an amazing run, and they easily – that match could have gone either way. I thought Schmeichel was lights out, you know, people complaining about him not corralling Harry Kane's penalty. Oh, come um, on, the ball was know, going I'm, I'm like, 70 I'm like, miles an hour. Well, well, plus he made like four other saves that kept him in the match. But, uh, yeah, anyway, just, you know, they had 65,000 fans in, in uh, Wembley. I thought it was a great atmosphere – um and, and you know and and just a, it's just a really good match so um I, I i thought it was just i thought it was very entertaining as as sam was this italy spain game right? yeah I, hey guys just, uh, just to touch just... on
3: the england game for a second i mean the new yeah. generation seemed definitely seems to have a different attitude what i've been as a neutral watching england a little bit disappointed about is you're not getting a lot of chances to see a lot of these guys that were really hyped coming in. Right. I mean, Phil Foden hasn't played very much. Um, I I don't know if Rashford's even played. He's played, Uh, but sparingly, you know, Sancho has hardly been out there um and Bellingham has hardly been out there and these were the kind of guys that I was excited to watch in this tournament but the younger guys yeah I agree I had th- Sam to that point I
2: thought when Foden came out well Foden and Grealish they gave the team a real spark when their you know mm-hmm. their energy level was lagging a little bit so uh you know hopefully moving forward those guys are incorporated more but it is nice to see you know the, the I mean the back four has just been so solid for England I think that's the, the credit to Southgate for really kind of battening down the hatches and they've only conceded one goal in six games. So that's going to usually get you far. And, uh, you know, Sterling's one of those players. It's, it's annoying
1: to play. He drives me crazy, (laughs) but he has the wheels, the speed, and he doesn't have a great first touch. He'd have, he'd have messy like numbers if this guy had a better touch, but he's always in there in the box and he's really dangerous. And uh, he's really done a great job though. I, I, I do not think that was a PK. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's something to deal with, to contend with. Look, all of us have played with that guy. It's like, Oh my God, they're so fast. They get, they get opportunities that you'd never have. And so, uh, you know, he does blow a lot of them, but he, yeah, and he's
2: not, I mean, he missed that, that sitter that he hit right into Schmeichel's stomach. He's just, he's, he's kind of maddening because he's a so, so finisher, but you're right. The speed is the great equalizer. Um, he rarely scores goals from beyond 12 yards. I mean, right. all of his goals are in the six-yard box. They're just like tap-ins. And, and he, uh, he dives, though. I think he's a flopper a little bit, you know. Yeah, I mean, I he thought, the, I, 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 look, I thought that was a very soft call, and I thought Mark Clattenburg, who's the uh, officiating analyst, got it right. He said, given the moment, uh, I wouldn't have made that call because it, it changed the entire match. Hey, Sam, I got a text from one of my
1: friends saying that he thought when a goalkeeper makes a save on a penalty kick, then it should be a dead ball. <laughs> What are your thoughts on that? Yeah,
3: this has been brought up a lot sort of the hockey model. Uh I I like it. I don't know, I like it. I mean, you know, the the odds are so You like that so... It's, it stays live or you like No, I, I I like I like, it I like that it's just a dead play. First make of all, your you save. Have, Yeah, first of all, you have half the guys running into the box who are over the line anyway. So if you wanted right. to, you could almost make make them repeat any penalty. And uh, it just the, the odds are so stacked against the goalie to begin with. I mean, it, it should just be I don't know. know. It's like when you take penalties at the end of a match, you're not allowed to go knock
2: in your rebound. I mean, I would say that it's a rarity of an occurrence. I would say Mm -hmm. one in 50 penalties is saved and then put back in by a player, right? I mean, it it, it just doesn't happen that often. but, But I agree with you guys. I say, look, you made the save. You accomplished what you set out to do. That should be it. Play should be dead at that point yeah,
3: yeah. But don't, you, I, don't you love this during these tournaments sorry to interrupt but yeah, when you yeah. get all of a sudden you become like the focal point and your non-soccer friends are texting you about every decision and everything and you know every dive everything they don't like right, and, right. You know, being an italian cool, Sam, supporter on, you played I, the I game get, so no I no they, yeah, so, they, they
2: trust your All my all my friends that are kind of like uh, borderline soccer fans who just like come into big tournaments always talk about the diving. They go, what's with the diving? What's with the dramatics and the theatrics? And what I point out is, guys, you watch the NBA. Yeah. Every after every foul a player complains about the call. There's never been a foul that an NBA player has thought they committed.
1: I think every, so, a lot of yeah. players, I mean, and it is cultural a lot of times. So you yeah. see different reactions to different, uh, different things. But my, you know, what I've always found interesting is they are sports fans who watch games. They were brought up on, you know, American football, baseball, basketball, hockey, uh, even tennis. And they know a little bit about it they generally don't know a ton about soccer they're starting to a little bit but instead of watching and enjoying and asking questions they're trying to figure out what's wrong with the game and i've always found like if you watch the nba you'd be like okay he traveled he he's everything's a foul why didn't he get caught why does this guy not get calls against him in the lebron situation there's ways to pick apart any sport it just seems that most people most american fans just want to pick apart soccer. (laughs) Though I must say, and Grail, you and I can attest to this, uh, Sam, it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be.
2: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. And and I thought it was interesting because uh, Sam, you know, I've been really, really impressed with Italy this whole tournament. And I thought that they kind of oddly reverted in the Spain game to some of their old practices of flopping around wasting time and and, uh, extra time when they were dead on their feet so they were just like they were praying to get to penalties they're pros at uh, it man they're they're the best at it yeah was just i was like oh guys come on i've loved you this whole tournament and now you're pulling this stuff
3: yeah i mean you say oddly i didn't find it that odd i mean (laughs) i think this is always part of the italian soccer dna and i mean Look, w- hidden within that is an admission and a concession that the Spanish were just far, far superior in that game. And, yeah. you know, Italy was supposed to be able to impose their possession. I thought it was going to be a more interesting game in terms of Italy trying to possess, Spain trying to possess. But, I mean, two minutes in, you thought you you knew how it was going to go. Yeah. Um, and just the, the ability of the Spanish to keep possession for every player on the field. They're so comfortable with the ball. Yeah.
2: And Pedri, by the way, I thought was fantastic. And boy, does he have a bright future with that team. And, and, and Sam, on your side, Chiesa, who I've I've obviously seen him play in this uh, tournament now, but I didn't know much about him. Boy, is he a good player. He is just a, he is a, he's a handful, frankly. You know what,
1: you know what, you know what, Sam, I find interesting is the amazing abilities that the Italian players and team have. So I think many teams don't even have the ability to do it. What seems to be interesting to me is the Italians just decide to not do it. Um, They could pretty much play with anybody, but they just sort of get this mentality of like, let's not lose, which is how the old England teams used to be, not to lose, as opposed to like, let's go out there and impose our style on them and win. They have the ability, they have the skill, the the know-how, the savvy, and yet they kind of just don't want to lose. So. Yeah. I,
3: I mean, I, I will say that is true of the Spain game. I don't think it's true of their whole tournament. Um, no, no, no. They, I, they played well. I, I hope against England in the final, they get back to that. And I, I think looking at the matchup, I, I I feel a little bit like you're describing about how England have played, you know, with those two holding central midfielders who very rarely pass the ball forward. Yeah, um, right, right. And I think Italy will be able to, you know, sort of dictate the tempo a little bit. So they'll be able to get back to that. But I mean a lot of people have said and I think it's impossible to disagree with Italy did not deserve to go through against Spain no. but based on their entire tournament I think they do deserve to be Definitely. in the final.
2: They're so. one of the they're one of the two best teams and yeah. I agree with you Sam to to Flinny's point I actually think that England I'm not saying England could play the way Man City plays mm-hmm. but they have enough skilled players on that team now to mm-hmm. play a much more expansive style than they play. When you have a Foden and a Grealish Guys like that, you know, they're and even, you know, Harry Kent, these are highly skilled, technically savvy players. I wish, I wish Southgate would kind of let the reins out. It's not going to happen in the final. Don't right, he's, get go, me he's
1: going off on a Chelsea tangent. Hey, yeah. so, so, Grail, I would say this uh, you know, those players playing in the Premier League, surrounded by players from other nations and things, have changed the way the national team has played in a style yeah. because they're playing the level that they play in the Prem is much higher than it was when it was mostly dominated by English players. So I think yeah. guys are all playing at a high level. They're all playing in that league and then they come together as a team and it's, it's very different.
2: Yeah. And I could argue that like a Phil Foden and a Grealish play much more like international players right. with their, with their style and their skill level than they do uh you know what we would brand as english players um hey so uh sam do you want to say something? oh yeah
3: i've you guys were a little down on sterling uh earlier i actually think he's been the only reason watching england has been fun so far um because they've been so kind of conservative but he seems to be the only one who kind of maybe this has to do with playing at man city but he he just, he seems to have a plan in mind with what he wants to do. Like he passes the ball and he moves. I mean, and it's really that simple. Like he's thinking of getting the ball back again. And to me, he's really been the only one who's kind of doing anything interesting out there. And, you know, I I know he's going to get a lot of flack for this, you know, call box, but I, and I'm actually on his side. I mean, I don't know what you guys take. I think there, there's a middle ground between, you know, a clear cut penalty and like a flop. I think he was anticipating, that the defender was uh, the trailing defender was going to kick him and he looked like he was going to, and he kind of pulled back at the last second. Well,
2: I mean, there was, there was contact. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think there was enough to warrant a penalty, but he was waiting for the contact. You could tell he was waiting for a boot to touch his heel.
3: But from the guy behind, I didn't think the guy behind made any contact with him.
2: Um, I thought that I thought that on the second go around, a guy made some kind of anyway, I, I, I didn't think it was a penalty. And the, the one thing mm-hmm. I just find so frustrating with Sterling is, um, and don't get me wrong, the guy's scoring goals left, right and center. But sometimes his decision making when they break out, you know, like Kane's wide open and Sterling decides to hold on to the ball or at the end of the game, mm-hmm. Trippier made this amazing 60 yard run up the right flank, was wide open and Sterling decided to shoot the ball. Mm -hmm. I just don't think, uh, I think he's incredibly, uh, he's incredibly gifted player, but I don't think he's the, the most intelligent player in certain situations.
1: um, Well, He's got a swagger to him. And like yeah. you said, Sam, he does have a plan. He attacks. Mm-hmm. He goes forward. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it exciting. And then he's in the box. You can see how scared the defenders are. Speed. You know, with his quick feet. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's like how many times have you tried to get stuck in? You miss everything yeah. and you hit the ball. So he creates a lot of problems there. And then Kane's putting in a real workman's effort. So yeah. anyway. Um, I mean,
2: yeah, just just quickly, guys, the other thing just about speed is uh it, it's, it's, it's just such an unquantifiable advantage. Right. I mean, Kyle Walker had the best match I've ever seen him play and his speed had 90% to do with it. All right. So one
1: thing I've really enjoyed is Mark Clattenburg. Uh, I think, you know, there's sometimes these things are overturned or not overturned and you have no reason, no idea why yeah. um, or what the conflicts are. And he's sort of spoken them pretty straightforward and you say like oh okay there that's what he's looking for and this is why it wasn't overturned or whatever yeah. so it's been very enlightening I think
2: well in the context of other sports so let's bring it to like American sports every sport the NFL whatever usually has it an expert right that they bring in this an ex-official yeah a lot of them are very non-committal they say it could go either way they don't want to insult their old referee friends whatever Clattenberg just says it, says it like it is, which I love. He He's like, he didn't care by saying he wouldn't have given that penalty, whether or not, you know, the Dutch referee would have been offended. Yeah, okay, Well, that's
1: what statement. he gets paid for. I love some it. Exactly. Sam, how about you, you?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I've liked it. I mean, uh, you know, to go back to that call and you know, the the text messages pouring in as if, you know, somehow it was my decision. Right, um, right. Well, it you was. Know, yeah. <laughs> But uh yeah, no, I I've liked it quite a bit. And I think with the VAR, you know, you see the ref kind of covering his mouth and having this little clandestine conversation. You kind of I, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of room for you know coming up with little conspiracy theories and everything. So yeah. it's good, it's good the more the more transparent everything is. Um Another Sounds one speaking, good. you know, yeah, I, I guess to do with refereeing too, you know, another thing I hear a lot about is beyond the diving is just how, how weak, you know, or soft, like some of the yellow cards are or even a red card. And how I think some people still like, I don't quite understand the full effect of losing a player for mm-hmm. potentially like you know over an hour of a game um whereas you know if you're watching hockey someone can almost decapitate someone and yeah they're kicked out of the game but your team's only down a man for five minutes um right. and so i i don't know i some ideas have kind of been floated and i wonder if there isn't some kind of compromise that maybe like, especially in these games with extra time, maybe you can add a guy back in the extra time. Maybe there's like some in between penalty between a yellow and a red where you're out for 10 minutes. I know that's getting a little complicated, but well, I've
1: been—I've yeah. always been a big proponent of instead of penalty kicks because you watch what Italy does when they start to play for PKs. Mm-hmm. Um, they change; it, it changes the dynamic of the game. I feel like I'm watching lacrosse with all the start and stop stuff. Yeah. Um, so I've always, you know, not been appreciative of that. So I don't know. I—I—I I, I think you should actually take players off in overtime. Sort of the overtime you know, just sort of say, and now you're playing with nine. Now you're playing with eight. Maybe you stay at eight because. Opens up space and somebody's gonna score eventually, or you drop dead, you know.
2: And and by the way, like in that Spain Italy game, I mean, it wasn't as if Spain didn't have chances. They had one guy who was wide open like six yards out and missed it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, that so it's every like every game is like that. I just think the opportunities present themselves and then it's on the team to take advantage. And if you don't, you know, you've now subjected yourself to penalties, which is like the ultimate crapshoot.
1: But like what Sam is saying with you know, do you think a man should come back on?
2: Uh, I, don't know. I I don't mind it the way it is now, and I think in terms of yellow cards, I actually thought you know, and the the refs had done a pretty decent job of letting the games play. I, I'd rather Sam, like I'd rather I'd rather see more physical games. I you know, yeah. not guys getting hurt, but rather than ticky tacky. Well, it ball. used
1: to be more physical, uh, yeah. you know, and I think that annoys some older players. Yeah, but it's also uh, it spurs some creativity as well. You know, guys just with crunching tackles all the time. Um, So, you know, Sam, don't you think there's a you think there's a happy medium between a, a yellow and a red?
3: I don't know. I just I just wonder if maybe like, you know, if you get a red card and like, you know, midway through the first half, which very rarely happens, like maybe you get to put a guy back on. You know, you're done for the game, but maybe you get to put a guy on in the second half and go back to playing with 11 and. Uh, Right,
1: I think a lot of guys would game the system that's, that's what's, I mean, the
3: the the area where it really bothers me is
2: I just feel like guys get pulled down in the box on, um, on, you know, set pieces. I think that needs to be monitored better. But also, on the Mm -hmm. other hand, you know, Harry, Harry Maguire had to play when he came up over and won a header and his arm grazed a guy's head. Mm-hmm. and he gets a yellow card. And that stuff drives me crazy because there's always going to be contact on headers. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just the nature. Well, look, though, that's changed. Jump.
1: That's changed over yeah. the years. You used to be able to have your arms out to protect your center mass. Now yeah, they have to be in. And look, I agree with it because, you know, that's how I got half my stitches was going up yeah. for head balls with the elbows out, you know, or I didn't have my elbows out. So,
3: yeah, the last um, thing, though, I, you know, another, another thing I get a lot of texts about as I'm sure you guys do and how much people hate penalty kicks, you know, like yeah, we, we can't be deciding like, Like who goes to the final based on this, to which I would say, I had an argument with my friend about this. He's a big NBA fan. And I was saying, you know, what bugs me about basketball sometimes is it just comes down to like who shoots better from the free throw line. And he goes, that's not true. Only in the close games. I'm like, okay, okay, well, (laughs) same with this. Well,
2: Sam, Sam, think about the difference between the nervousness of Morata's penalty and the Mm -hmm. coolness of Jorginho's penalty. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had two guys that just looked totally different when they stepped up to the spot. Mm-hmm. One tried to guide it in, and Jorginho, just cool as you like, just rolled it into the corner.
1: Mental, yeah. mental follows the physical. So yes. you can almost watch someone walk up, and with a certain confidence, they're going to give it a nice shot or not. So, hey, yeah. so um, we've sort of neglected this so far, and I didn't mean to because my opening there, saying there was two, and then there's two more, Cope America. Uh, we haven't talked about that. And that is, uh, I don't know, many would argue even a bigger matchup, Sam, don't you think?
3: Because you've got I mean, Brazil
1: and Argentina and you've got Neymar and Messi. its uh, I would have
3: to say that on a world stage and maybe perhaps even here in the U.S., this is going to be a more watched game and a more followed game. Um, and maybe even a more followed tournament altogether. All but I think Messi versus Neymar in the final is, I mean, what more could you ask for? And you know, this tournament, you know, we're talking about like physical play and everything. I mean, this tournament is really, really physical. It's a, mm. it's a very interesting mix of. Oh, they you know, all hate like, each other. It's yeah, A lot of guys, you know, rolling around on the ground and, you know, going down very easily, you know, compared with a lot of ridiculously hard fouls. And I, I give Messi a lot of props for playing this yeah. at age 34, still going after a trophy with Argentina, just getting hacked mercilessly on the field. Um, and you know, to compare that with Neymar, who's on the ground, I mean, oh literally God. every two minutes. It's I don't yeah. even think. That's I mean, what what difference
1: in a style of a player? I think you know, for you know, I think it's really hurt Neymar and I, his development. I, I, and yeah,
2: yeah. I, I just feel like Neymar is his own worst enemy. And when he came out after Brazil had won to get to the final and said basically, it was almost like a Muhammad Ali statement, except Ali could actually back things up. And he said, you know, I want Argentina we're gonna beat them all this stuff and i'm like of all the guys to be guaranteeing anything neymar has had the worst history of ever delivering on the biggest stages so i'm like this is just in my mind this is a setup for failure Mm -hmm. i like argentina 3-1 i like messi having a really good game but but also to your point sam you know those matchups you know whether or not it's like lukaku ronaldo or neymar messi I think we put so much weight on those that sometimes it's just like the fringe players that end up being the stars of the show because Mm -hmm. they end up almost canceling each other out
1: i don't i don't think in this case i mean i think you know i think argentina has struggled of late uh and but you have Messi, and i think they've leaned on him, you know too much over the years and uh, with no success brazil you know plays better as a team but if you're talking neymar uh not impressed so uh, I would anyway. love
2: Messi to finally get his due I mean obviously uh, you know, such you a know huge fan where's he fans.
1: gonna go too by the way yeah. they're still trying to structure that deal is he going to PSG is he going to Man City
2: um, well most of the other teams can't afford him I mean that's the problem is everything's kind of in gridlock in terms of transfers because most of the clubs like you know Man City's basically coming out come out and said we'd love to have Harry Kane but we can't afford Harry Kane you know, Man. so I, I it's it's gonna I I think my gut tells me that Messi ends up staying. Uh, Sam,
1: what's your prediction for the Copa final?
3: Uh, I I'm gonna go with my heart here. I'd really like to see Messi finally win a trophy with Argentina. and I'll say two to one for Argentina. Yeah, I think that's... it's gonna be a good hard fought game. Um, it may be one that's not. I don't know. It may be not the most exciting. There might be a lot of physical play, a lot of hacking. Uh, I could easily see that happening. Yeah, yeah. I always
1: see, you see a, uh, probably an early couple of yellows or red even. it I'll get, I'll get some times
3: for sure.
2: Yeah. As as yeah. far as the ratings too, guys, because I know yeah Sam and I have been talking about this. It, it'll be very interesting because you've got an FS1 and then you've got, you know, TUDN, which is Univision's sports channel that's going to be carrying it. Um, it's a Saturday night, which is not traditionally a great viewing night because people are doing other things on Saturday nights but culturally i just see a lot of people hanging out to watch this game so i could mm-hmm. see the rating on univision being through the roof and fs1 being strong but not the best and then for the uh, the italy spain excuse me the italy england final because it's abc because they were promoting it on the NBA, because it's, you know, it's a big channel. I just see that getting a a really, really big number. Plus, it's Italy. I just just feel like Italy in the United States is just an, an even bigger draw, honestly, than England.
1: I I think the the Italians have lost a bit of their luster with the American Italian, Italian base over the last couple of years. Sam, I don't know if you agree with that or not. I think they might have won it back a little bit, but it seems to me like I was out here on Nantucket. There's a place called the gazebo, which is an outdoor sort of area, a big TV, a bar it was jammed for the euros jammed people way out you know spread out and it was you know for me as a soccer person it was great to watch uh mm. but i think that's the effect of the premier league mm-hmm. on people's uh, viewing habits so um, I think that's part yeah, of it. Yeah, I, I think
3: a lot of neutral. again, I, this, I'm determined to try to find like a poll or something where I can find out you know what the numbers are for who's supporting who in the United States. But I think a lot of people are probably rooting for England just because of the connection to the Premier League. They know a lot of the players, they know a lot of the backstories and it's kind of all built right. in.
1: All right, but, but just always happy to see it. So we got more soccer coming up, we got the Gold Cup coming up, uh, but there's an interesting little caveat or twist here you know, the assassination of the the Haitian president. uh, I don't know if that's going to affect us. I haven't seen anything. anything?
2: You know, one would think that since the nation is basically in mourning, that it would be somewhat difficult to play that game on Sunday. But have you guys read anything? Is this like, hey, we're just going ahead and playing it?
1: Well, they're safe here. You know, I don't yeah. know. They're here. They they'd probably I'd want to just play if I was playing a with heavy
2: hearts. Certainly. I mean, that's that's, you know, could you imagine if you were representing the USA and Joe Biden was assassinated and you had to go out and play a qualifier? I mean, it's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think let's keep an eye on that. And yeah. we'll, of course, as always, check in with one of our sponsors, Soccer America, as they always have up
2: to date news on things like that. I, I was also interested, Flynnie, to see. I didn't realize that Haiti kind of had our number over the years. I, I was reading in Soccer America that uh, other than Mexico, that's the only team in CONCACAF that we have not had a winning record against. We're six, six and five heading into the 18th meeting between our two. Really, I, I never would have guessed that.
1: You know, it's interesting. Uh, Haiti, uh, I've been there a couple of times. Um, a couple of my teammates, you know, Ronnie Basile was an All-American out of Southern Connecticut and uh, Frank, uh, what was the other Sammy Joseph. Magic players, just magic. They really produce some great players. The difference was when I was playing, Haiti was developing good players and they'd come here. So they'd be Haitian-Americans and they'd be fantastic players with a great culture. Um, That's not really the case anymore. Now the case is uh, in the Caribbean, in America, in France, uh, they're, they're developing the players who are going back to Haiti because unfortunately, Haiti is just so poor uh that it's tough for players to develop uh it, you know past a certain level which is just a shame because they have been classically you know even with a broken infrastructure a good team
2: Well, when you think of the connections to those countries the u.s canada and france where they're you know where french is spoken in those those pockets mm-hmm. of, of haitian um you know populations i mean it, it does make some sense that you would be getting some players developed out of those communities. I think. Well, I'd be,
1: yeah, but my bigger point is that they're not coming out of Haiti anymore. Right. So, no, you're right. And I think that's very sad because, yeah. uh, you know, like I said, I just would watch these guys. They were magic. They're magic on the ball and uh, and tough as nails and great teammates. And so, it's unfortunate that that uh, the country can't really get its act together. It's uh, you know earthquakes and. It's a lot of it's not their faults, but some of it's corruption. So it's just sad to see. Oh, and yeah. Look, hey, as an American and what we've watched happen over the last couple of years here in this country, it's scary. It's scary. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that can happen. Some of the things you just can't control as a citizen. So soccer becomes a secondary tertiary sort of issue and concern with people. Uh, you know, they have bigger fish to fry. So yep. uh, um, th- so we got World Cup qualifying happening as well. So a lot of the players aren't playing in the Gold Cup, but it'll be fun to watch. Um. Sam, I think, yeah, Mexico is the favorite in the cup.
3: Yeah, Mexico is the slight favorite at plus 115. The U.S. are at 160. Uh, plus 160 is the second favorite. And then there's a big drop off to, uh, I think, plus 1400 for Costa Rica. So clearly the two overwhelming favorites are U.S. Oh, and Mexico. Oh, guys, I is, got in uh, a you – know, And, you know, and no, Pulisic, no Pulisic or
2: McKinney. No Polisic, no, no McKinney. No McKinney. yeah. McKinney, yeah. yeah. So
1: I'm in a uh, – the cab driver here on Nantucket was, was Costa Rican. And he was uh, you know, very upset about the Costa Rican performance and where the team is. Um, I didn't get the name, but they have a new head coach that he's really excited about that. He just said that he he blamed everything on the coach. And I'm like, God, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, players didn't step up and you had some really good players that, you know, Joseph Campbell and, and, uh, you know, uh, the keeper. So it's sort of like, you know, it's it seems like things go in cycles, whether it's Spain mm-hmm. or Italy or Mexico or the United States, uh, Germany. Everybody's had their their ups and downs. It's yeah. what you do with the downs that uh, mm-hmm. that help you in the next four or eight year period when you're kind of coming out of it. You know, when
2: especially countries like that. You know, the Costa Ricans or the Cameroons or whatever they have their morning or their, their their evening in the sun or whatever the day the, that's not the right expression. Their day in the sun, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, it's infrastructure, it's financing, it's the stability of the government, it's all sorts of things that, you know, we don't really have to deal with in most developed countries. Oh, no, we, we,
1: we haven't in the past. Oh, have, have like our own, we have our we're, own, we're, our own issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyway, so looking forward to that. And so, World Cup qualifying starts in Nashville at Nissan Stadium. So, it's going to be fully packed with, with fans as we take on Canada uh, September 5th. Now, We've sort of been up and down with canada as well we've been sort of on the up of late but um they took us to task up there a couple of years back i remember um, yeah well
2: we've got those three qualifiers in a row we've got uh, el salvador canada and then honduras so all within like a week um so that'll be interesting but hopefully uh i think good call playing in nashville because we we've had big crowds there before and it's the you know it's the where the Tennessee Titans play. So it's got a 70,000 capacity or whatever. So it should be a really good pro USA crowd.
1: And I thought of you, Grail, when I uh, saw this news item the World Cup of venues, Montreal. What is the story with them pulling out?
2: Yeah. So, you know, they were going to have the plan was to have three Canadian cities, three Mexican cities, and then I believe it was uh, 10 or 11 US cities. Right. Um, they were counting on Montreal. I mean, it was going to be Montreal, Toronto, and Edmonton, I believe. And uh, yeah, Montreal just—you um, know—the government of Quebec just said, you know, we don't have the money to pull this off. So they've—they've they've now pulled—they've now pulled out. And now I think it'll be interesting. My gut would tell me I don't think there's a third Canadian city. Vancouver maybe well no, I, I just don't I, I I they didn't bid you know you you had to go uh, back right, and right, bid right. like a, a year maybe a uh, years we'll
1: so. we'll absorb it we'll yeah
2: so no so I think what happens is we've got a pot of cities that we can pick from so we would uh you know John Christick our friend who's very involved in this and FIFA would be probably more inclined to just add another U.S. city and then you know have three in Mexico 10 or 11 here 11 here and then two up in Canada
1: All right. So uh, guys, so we haven't watched this women's movie yet. So uh, my apologies. And then I'm as, as I'm getting ready to apologize. LFG,
2: let's give it its names. Let's effing go. That's the name of the
1: movie. We're going to give it one BS. uh, (laughs) FBS. Um, So, uh, but you guys haven't watched it either, right?
2: No, I've just I, I've I've watched some you know I've watched the women's countdown to the Olympics in terms of their actual games, but I have not watched it yet, and I'm just kind of
1: that's almost like a lawyer answer, isn't it, Sam? He no, no, no. Boring. I just you know no, the thing is hasn't...
2: like part of me wants to watch it, but I think the other part is because I know in advance I'm going to be just kind of enraged by the the lack of transparency and the argument that's going to be presented in this. Movie. There's no
1: argument presented, right? Yeah. It's just one side. So yes. uh, you know it's supposed to be a competition of ideas and not just you know oh it's pr and the right thing to do it's it's just it's and beyond just, me
2: just performance related flinny i mean i i hate to be kind of uh, gloom and doom here but I, I you know i realize they're 11-0-1 this year and they're unbeaten in 44 games but their best players have been very unimpressive At best i'm going to say the people that consider them their best alex morgan megan rapino really playing poorly And uh, again, they haven't had a real challenge in a long time. So it'll be interesting. Mark your calendars. July 1st, Sweden. Sweden can beat the
1: U.S. I think uh, there's more job security for us women players than than the men that's for sure so uh mm-hmm. and i think that's that's actually part of their contract so all right guys well that's the, the pretty good size opening here but let's uh let's take a break here when we come back we'll be talking to our guest oh i didn't even uh, tease it at the top of the show frank isola we have uh covered the knicks forever and uh new york daily news so it's great to uh, it'll be great to have him on so let's take a break here and we'll be back you're listening to over the ball over the ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Go to socceramerica.com/join and sign up for the Soccer America Pro membership. It's just $4.90 a month or $49 a year. And by Ticket IQ, the simplest and cheapest way to buy tickets. Go to ticketiq.com and when it asks for the promo code, punch in OTB10 for $10 off of your purchase. Can't lose. All right. Joining us now and Over the Ball, he's a longtime sports writer for the New York Daily News. You can catch him on the tube. He's a regular on Around the Horn, as well as a co-host of Pardon the Interruption. Uh, what, what else? ESPN, um, you're on the Nets, studio analyst, Sirius XM, NBA Radio, uh, a man who was thrown out of Madison Square Garden by by Dolan uh frank is welcome back to over the ball how are you
0: yeah good, good how you guys doing I, I wish i was the host of pti they i'm the fill in host the fill in host
1: that's still you're michael the permanent and Tony co-host. come on you're the one <laughs> you're closest to our heart frank because you know you're, you're our guy and you you love the uh love the game that we all love so what uh, you got to be happy with your azuri um?
0: yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward sunday the uh final is going to be a lot of fun you know and also if you Follow Italy. you didn't get to see them play in the World Cup. So the fact that they're right. back in a major competition and they're playing well, the Euro is so much fun. I, you know, the one thing about all these summer soccer tournaments and we didn't really get any of them last year, you know, whether it's Copa right. America, the Euro, the world cup, we have the gold cup coming up. It's, it's just so much fun when you get to the international competition, it's a different kind of spirit, a different field than the domestic leagues. And you get to see all these, you know, great players who, You know, they they play against each other a lot during the season. Now they're teammates. It's always a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the Italians not being in the last World Cup and how devastating that is for a nation. You talk about the United States, how it affected us here not reaching the World Cup. Imagine. Sam, you could even talk about that, about how the the feeling was in in Italy to not be in a World Cup is just devastating. So it's been nice to watch this team. Though, Frank, we were talking before you came on, they have played really well. Last game they kind of went back to that old Italian style. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I know. Against Austria, they weren't great, and maybe got a little lucky with that one goal that was that was called back. I thought they were really good against Belgium. Probably got a little lucky there too. A couple of those counter where it looked like you know Lukaku should have probably scored. I, I still think Belgium is the best team, but always the best team doesn't win. And then against Spain, you know, Spain controls the possession. You know, Spain still plays that arrogant style where, you know, they're going to complete the most passes, but at the end of the day, it's still about how many goals you score. And Spain played well. I mean, Morata had the great, you know, the great given goal, given goal goal that he scored. I thought Italy was in trouble because when it went to overtime, I felt like not only were their best players out of the game that could perhaps score in overtime, I also felt their best penalty takers Mm-hmm. were on the bench yeah. as well. So I got a little nervous, especially when Locatelli had his first shot. You know, he was the first penalty taker, and his shot got saved. They've been a little up and down, but what I like about this team, they don't really have the star. You know, I have basically nothing to do now. So the other day I watched uh, <laughs> Germany-Italy from 2006, that great semifinal win mm-hmm. where they won in uh, Dortmund. And, you know, that team had Totti, it had Pirlo, you had Del Piero was on that team. Right. Yeah. You know, it was a great, great Buffon was in goal. You had like the big stars and maybe that's some part of the beauty of this team. You don't really have that diva kind of star that everyone kind of, you know, has to, you know, cater to and bow down to.
1: You know, it's funny. You talk culturally. uh, We're talking about before you came on about the Italians used to play not to lose. And with all the ability that they had they could play at any level. They could match anybody with anything, whether it's skill, technique, you know, everything. Um, and they seem to be a new a new sort of team, almost like England. We're talking about England used to play to not lose. Yeah. And, the, and these these guys are playing to just win. Uh, yeah. So, I, you know, it's been interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting to see what Italian team shows up on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think if you go back to the 90 World Cup all the way back there where they were the host nation and they lose to Argentina in the semifinals. I always felt like Italy wanted to win every game, one nothing. That was their goal. Yeah. And even in Brazil, when they played Brazil four years later at the Rose bowl, where, you know, that game also went to penalty kicks and they lost. I think this team plays a much more entertaining style. It's not just sitting back parking the bus and then hoping you could score in a counter Now I understand they did that against Spain. Again, that's because Spain was controlling the ball, but it's much more exciting. I, I feel like, uh, Insigne up top has been terrific, you know, on the, on the left side. That seems like where a lot of their attack is coming. There's so much fun. Chiesa, the couple of goals that he scored, it's just more entertaining, but you're right. I think England, England is good, man. They got good players. They got a lot of speed. We, We could be
2: looking at an entertaining final, especially if we get an early goal.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for as well—an early goal.
2: Grail? Frank, always a pleasure having you on. Uh, obviously, we know you're a very passionate, knowledgeable soccer fan. So, when you're doing around the horn in PTI, uh, I'm just curious: how much do you have to push to have soccer uh, be <laughs> one of the topics? Because when you're I you putting them on the spot. No, when and, I look at who you're surrounded by, there aren't a lot of soccer fans there. Maybe Tony Reale would be the exception, but I'm just curious. How much of a say you have in that in terms of like, what's going on and the fact, you know, the relevance of talking about big soccer. Yes. About-
0: Tony reality will, will push for it as well. And I think, you know, yesterday uh, on the show, we did do the uh, the penalty kick or the uh, the penalty that was called when Sterling went down, flopped, dove or they got yeah. fouled. So that, that became a topic. I think the day before they did talk about the goal, uh, the goalkeeper of Argentina talking during, when the penalty kicks were taken, so i think you know topics do get in even on pti you know the one thing you know tony kornheiser he he loved jose Mourinho because he likes the fact that he's outspoken but michael wilbon has really gotten into it he actually went to a match at stanford bridge obviously pre-pandemic went over there and hung out and you know one of the producers for pti uh, a guy by the name of matt kelleher mm-hmm. who grew up in boston and has become a big soccer uh fan his son plays in the Bethesda Academy, Dean Kelleher, and he is going to, he's committed to Columbia to play goalie. So, and, you know, so the the dad's really gotten into it. So it's always going to be whatever the biggest story is. And I do think there's more of an understanding that there is an appetite out there for it. And I also, you know, look at ESPN's coverage, you know, ESPN can get criticized for a lot of things, you know, their NFL coverage is terrific. You know, the game presentation, college football. And I think they do a really good job on soccer. I don't think they try to overcomplicate things. They they, mm-hmm. they do they bring in the right people to analyze it. The broadcasts have been a lot of fun. And they, you know, they go all in. And I think it's I, – I definitely think there's a market and an appetite for it out
1: there. Mm-hmm. We, we just thought that the uh... – English announcers announcing the English game on ESPN were a little biased. And I said, uh, you know, I hope that doesn't happen on Sunday. Well, that you first
0: know. goal, did you notice when Denmark scored that goal? Yeah. Uh, who was it? Ian Dark? It didn't sound yeah. too crazy about <laughs> no, it. No, he wasn't. You know, <laughs> and, and that was a great goal. He was like, he was a little temperate. It's almost like the whole country feels that emotion. And I kind of feel like England is a little bit like the Boston Red Sox fans were, Mm -hmm. where and the Chicago Mm -hmm. Cub fans were, woe is me, and there's a curse against us. And it's almost like they're expecting to lose. So what's going to happen is they're going to end up winning. I hope it's not on Sunday, but they have a really good team. And if they do win Sunday... You know, the next day they're going to wake up and they're going to see like, well, now we have really nothing to complain about anymore. It's almost (laughs) like they Uh, like to wallow in that. Let's blame the manager. We can't wait wait to blame Harry Maguire for a dumb foul or Jack Grealish for for not getting it done or Harry Kane. That They kind of have that woe is me. And they almost there's a bizarre part of them that almost wants to lose so they could be miserable.
2: Well, Frank, as Ian Dark said, they have a travelogue of trauma. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's but there's a,
1: there's a there's a there's a schizophrenia there though I see where it's sort of they believe they're the best, they invented the game and they kind of had that swagger, but they're so insecure they just I know. don't want to It's like really an interesting dichotomy there.
0: Yeah. Well G- grell knows this because he plays uh, soccer with us occasionally in Montclair. We have a lot of Brits there, so I'm in this text chain with all these, you know, expats. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it, it it's funny talking about. I said, I almost hope you guys win, because then it will validate all the money that American <laughs> parents had spent having yeah. their kids coached by British coaches. Some yeah, so English guy so... who, you know, yeah,
1: who, who barely could play in gym class, and he's coaching <laughs> over here. It would
0: be like <laughs> us going over to, you know, we're going to go over to England, we're going to teach them, you know, baseball, and we're it just going to be... talk with like a thick New York accent, throw hey. the ball over here you can catch it <laughs> then you throw it and then they'll think well they must know what they're talking about yeah Look at those thick new york accents they have they have you ever played baseball play. no stick ball though shut up <laughs> get your bat and hit the ball would you? <laughs> sam
3: yeah uh, speaking frank of you know the kind of spread of the game at espn and you know getting into american culture as you're describing i'm curious i don't know if you're a city Off fan at all which is a league i follow very closely but I wonder why you think that has struggled to gain a real foothold uh, with the North American audience. If there's yeah, just too much competition. I, I I, or... I, I om- yeah.
0: I almost think it's a little bit like La Liga, where it's very top heavy. And it just seems like in the EPL, even those bottom teams, there's a little bit more of a history there. So, you know, there's an attachment. And the EPL obviously is caught on big time in the, in the U S it's the best league in the world. I don't, I don't really get it. I watched the, uh, the Italian games and obviously, you know, Juventus AC Milan, the way that Atalanta has played and Inter Napoli is a lot of fun. I, I don't really get it. Maybe people feel like it's not attacking enough as, as the EPL is maybe that has something to do with it. I, I can't figure that one out. It, just, it
1: seems a little EPL is a little bit more international now as well. Um, so, the Syria well, Don't, don't is you think this?
0: I, I was, this is something a topic for you guys. Like, if you look at what the dream team did to basketball around the world in 92, obviously we send the Olympic team over there, everyone's all right. upset because we're crushing the competition. And now, you know, then in 04, we end up losing the Olympics with NBA players. But think about what's happened in the NBA where you've had Dirk Nowitzki is an MVP. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo from Greece is a two-time MVP. This year, Nikola Jokic. So the NBA helped grow the sport around the world where eventually it impacted us. I almost think England, it bringing in all these foreign players, I th- actually think it's helped their own players. I think oh, they play yeah. a more dynamic style. It's not just, you know, they don't play no offense. They don't play like Scotland, where they're just like, you know, kicking it long and hoping to win a header and have a mashup in the box. It's almost like the, the, the English style now. I think a lot of these international players coming in is actually improve the quality of their I, own players.
1: You're so right, no and, but in fact, we spoke about this before you came on. So that's we've seen that this is a new generation of English players. They're not playing to lose. They're 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 cocky. They are playing with international superstars all the
0: time. So uh, yeah. it's a and they team. bring. I mean, they bring Jack Grealish and Phil Foden off the bench. Yeah, I, you know. They, I know. I think if they were American, what do you think? They, <laughs> it, they it be, 90, they'd be playing 90. Every kid would be wearing their jersey for crying out loud. They, they're bringing right. those guys in off the bench. And I'm thinking, how is it Italy's going to have a tough enough time trying to stop Sterling and Harry Kane? Then they're going to bring these two dudes off the bench. Right. It's not going to be easy.
1: I think you're actually the perfect person to ask this, Frank. And we, we talked about this again before you got on, but don't you think that it seems like our, our fan, our buddies and friends who aren't really soccer fans, but occasional soccer fans, they always, you know, text us and criticize saying the game, like, it seems like a lot of the American public watches soccer very critically, as opposed to just enjoying the NBA finals or enjoying the world series, you know, where you, you're not looking to pick apart the game and what's wrong with it. You're just looking to enjoy the game. Um, It seems like we always get this inordinate amount of, uh, you know, comments from our friends saying like, What's up with penalty kicks? Ooh, what's up with a red card? Like all that stuff. Do you, what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I, I think there' like there's a lot of people that don't want to like it, and they think it's you know it's too much of a foreign sport for mm-hmm. lack of a lack of a better term. Right. You know, if you I say this all the time, there are boring soccer matches, just yeah. like there are boring baseball games and boring NBA games and boring uh, you know football games. The difference is, if a soccer game is boring or it's entertaining, it's still only going to take. 90 minutes, and it's basically going to take, what is it, uh, an hour, 45 minutes to play, start to finish, including right. including halftime. So the sport itself, you know, Harvey Arden, who lives in this town and, you know, grew up as a basketball guy, but has learned to love the game of soccer, he would say, you know, when the sport first started here in the U.S. and the Cosmos were playing on TV, you know, they would go to commercial while the game was going on. Right, right. And there were times, you guys know this, they would come back from commercial, and of course, what would happen? A goal was goal. scored while you are in commercial. <laughs> so everyone thought it wasn't a TV sport. It actually now is the perfect TV sport because it's 45 minutes. Just pay attention for 45 minutes. Then you get your 15 minute break and then you watch it again for 45 minutes. You know, I love the NBA. I love the NFL. You watch these games. It's painful. Sometimes mm-hmm, the stoppages right. just kill you. And I think that that is an American culture thing. It's so ingrained in our minds that we can't just focus on something for, for, you know, as long as 45 minutes. But I think people are starting to adjust to that because in today's day and age, we don't really have that much time. It's hard to invest four hours on a Saturday to watch one college football game. NFL games are now running sometimes three and a half hours. A soccer right. game, if you say to yourself, and there's the other, the beauty about it too, three o'clock, the game is starting. It's not going to be 310. It's not going to be 312. It's not going to be 308. They are blowing the whistle at three o'clock so you could plan your day around the euro file now if it goes to overtime that's something you have to account for but if it's a regulation game you're going to be in and out of there by five o'clock and it's something where i think it it now suits people's lifestyles because people you know everything is twitter it's instagram it's you know everything is quick and two-hour game fits perfectly with everybody's schedule i think what a difference a decade makes, huh?
2: Yeah, It totally
1: comes comes around the other way. Grail?
2: Yeah, Frank, since you covered the NBA so extensively, I'm just curious what you think about the, uh, of all the professional sports in the U.S., it seems like NBA players are most fascinated with soccer. And I'm just curious what you think about that and and, and what that comes from. And obviously you've got LeBron has ownership stakes and et cetera, et cetera. But why, why the NBA players as opposed to other athletes having such an affinity for soccer? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, you know, obviously the movement and
0: stuff is very similar. So, right. you know, if you play soccer growing up, you know, Jason Kidd played it growing up. Obviously guys like Steve Nash, Tony Parker, Mano Ginobili, they played it growing up. And I think that they feel like that part, you know, that skill set. Kobe. You know, applies, even though you're going from using your head. Kobe Bryant, exactly. Even though you're going from using your feet to your hands. But I think the two big things are, number one, they love the fact that, how much money these players make so I think yeah. they look at the soccer player as the money is insane for the top players so that's something that all NBA players can relate to the other thing is they understand the global appeal that those guys have so I think we're baseball players NFL players and even hockey players to a certain degree just really think North America I think the NBA player probably better than most American athletes understands global branding and then That's once they point. play for their national team and they play in the Olympics, so they play in the feeble world cup and they understand the money that could be made out there. And they really grow to love the sport. Chris Paul the other day was asked about the NBA finals, how you know, different it is. And he said, you know, I was, I wanted to watch a game last night. Nothing was on. I watched the soccer and the soccer was great. A lot of the NBA players like it, you know, Kevin Garnett, you know, here's a guy that was born in South Carolina. He's about seven feet tall. He became a huge Roma fan. And I think even on his house, wherever he lives, I think he has like a small little pitch where he where, uh, you know, he likes to play. So all the players really Carmelo Anthony is a guy. Remember Carmelo Mm -hmm. owned an NASL team in Puerto Rico. All the big name players. I think they enjoy the sport, I think, because of their sneaker contacts as well. A lot of times it's Nike. So the great Nike players that are the great soccer players sponsored by Nike get to know. The NBA players. I think that's how they look at it. As I'm more of a worldly guy mm-hmm. because not only do I play basketball, but I understand the game of soccer and I like it as well. Or yeah, and the I game.
1: The it. game is international too. So they, yes. yeah, they're aware of it. A big, uh there's a big clientele out there. You know? Absolutely. So, uh, hey, so let's let's get uh, down a little more in the micro level here with the NCAA. Now, you you played at the University of Maryland, not for Sasha. I think he was he was not there back then. He's had a great success. Your kids play um they're they're good players apparently they could they i think your son is going
0: to college or no no my daughter just she's just got out of uh, villanova she's going to be a grad assistant at oh, nice. uh, ohio so i'm actually going to get someone to pay For, my kids to, uh, go to <laughs> for that's a first right yeah. uh, i'm still going my, through that my son played for a high level club team he was one of the only he ended up going to northwestern he didn't want to play he played for the the club team there and uh, he enjoyed, it. he's, he's really good. He's like six foot three, six foot four. He's an absolute monster. Wow. He just didn't, you know, he just didn't want to commit the time to playing. He just wanted to be a student.
1: Well, you know, you know a, a big thing with, with club soccer is how big it's gotten on college yeah. campuses. I saw the guys at UConn playing. It was a high level game uh, that these guys were playing and it was club soccer. So that's yeah. definitely an alternative for kids, especially at a school like Northwestern maybe. And, where... and,
0: yeah, And also too, you know, the one thing now about division one soccer, you know, and you're starting to see it in basketball. We've always seen it with tennis. We've seen it with track and field. You know, these coaches are, are recruiting on a global level. Yeah. So, you know, your kid, you know, you have a kid who's a good player and you're thinking, oh, this would be great if he could play Division One soccer. There's a lot of competition out there. You know, you yeah. start thinking about like your own state and, oh, well, he's better than this kid. He's better than that kid. These coaches are getting, you know, they're getting kids that are in academies, whether in France or England, Germany, and the academies might be telling the kid, you know what? I don't know if you're going to make it here. why don't you go play in the United States? This coach wants to bring you in. You could, you know, go to school mostly for free. You get to hang out in the U S for four years. Maybe you can get a good job and then come back after four years. My buddy who I believe Grail knows a guy named Jordan Scott coaches at mm-hmm. Manhattan college, almost his entire team is an international player. Oh. He, had a, he had a kid from France uh, that he had brought in and got drafted by the new England revolution. I think right now he's playing on the reserve team. So there's a lot of competition division one soccer is not bad it's you know the quality is good I went to with my buddy Dave Mazer, who lives in Montclair my oh, dave has been a
1: guest yeah we love Dave
0: yeah Dave coaches obviously St. John's uh the year that Georgetown won the national championship so this would have been the fall of 2019 I went and watched St. John's play Georgetown that was the best Georgetown was the best college team I'd ever seen play in person it was the, the, the quality was outstanding. And then they, you they have, have a the lot Kedaral of American D-K. players. The,
1: the Georgetown, Georgetown has a lot of American players, too. Right? Uh, yeah, they do, as yeah. as
0: does Virginia with the Kid right. DK, who's playing over in uh, England, obviously.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, but, you know, Frank, we've sort of seen the ups and downs with the NCAA because when I played at my age, you know, in the 80s, there were a lot of foreign players here uh, and in the NASL. Uh, and then it became mostly American players on these college teams. And now I think the trend is reversed again. Marshall this year won the the you know the right. NCAAs. I think they had one American player on the roster. So um, it, do you think that the NCAA can continue to be a feeder system for MLS and the national
0: team? I think it can be. I think what the national team has to be open to is the idea that it's not. it just shouldn't be one size fits all. If there's, if there's going to be good enough players in the MLS that could play for the national team, it should be something that's under consideration. We still know. It's like with basketball. There are good professional leagues in Spain and in Italy, but the best league in the world happens to be in the United States. And if you're a soccer player, the MLS is a good league. But if you have a chance to play in the EPL or in Germany, Spain, or Italy, to me, that's, sometimes, that's going to be hard to turn down. And a lot of the yeah. players aren't turning it down. They want to go play over there. But it doesn't mean that guys in the MLS... Uh, aren't good enough. It doesn't mean that guys who went to college, I mean, there. are tr- look at a guy like Jordan Morris at Stanford, Corey Baird. I saw him play when he was a little kid. I mean, all those guys did was win and they became pretty good players going through the youth system here, playing college soccer and going through the MLS. It's, it's still possible.
1: I think just, we develop a little later um, and it, but it's also interesting to see how, like you mentioned, a lot of foreign players coming here for, for a college education, four years, get a job, maybe you go pro, but you can go back home with a college degree, which is uniquely American because usually you're an apprentice over there at 14 years old and you either make it or you're, you know, on the dole. So, uh, all right. So, Big game uh, Saturday, Sunday to watch. What's your uh, What are your predictions? Yeah. And also, it's let me Missouri. just say
0: before you know, you said you said that I played. They let me sit on the bench when I was there. By the you way, freshman. I freshmen. did. You were a freshman, did, Frank. You can I, play, Frank. I've seen you play. I, I did play with the great Desmond Armstrong, who played on the national team, which was. Uh, he was my Des- roommate. Desmond yeah. Des was my roommate. Yeah, so, De- uh, Desmond's a really really nice guy. I haven't seen him in a million years. But as for, uh, I'm looking forward. I was. I'm so bad sometimes with the schedule. For two weeks, I kept thinking, oh, it's going to be great. Sunday, we have the Euro final in the daytime. Then at night, we'll have the Copa. And then I'm watching the game the other night, and the game, the Copa America final will be on Saturday night, which is a great time. I loved when the World Cup was in Brazil, and those games were coming on at 6 o'clock at night. That yeah. was the the day that the U.S. played Belgium, which was – that would have been a what? Around a round of 16 game, right? Mm-hmm. I was in New York doing Around the Horn that day, and, you know, we, getting back to something you asked before we talked about, you know, that game and everything walking around New York city that day, I had never seen more people walking around with the U S jersey on. It was all awesome. yeah. It really felt like soccer had arrived. People, I get it. People talk about it with the women, uh, with the women's national team, when they play big matches, that's obviously a big deal, but it was really the first time I felt people are into it. Just walking through New York that day yeah. and having the game on at six o'clock at night, was awesome. And that's why I love the fact that the game is on. I think it's a seven o'clock kickoff. I think it's going to be great because Messi obviously trying to finally win a major trophy for his country against Neymar in Brazil. There'll be a lot of flopping. There'll be a lot of fouling. (laughs) The one great thing about those Copa games, everything could be moving. Everything is running smoothly. All it takes is that one nasty foul <laughs> hey, and, the panda, and the ref doesn't give a yellow card. And it's like the floodgates of there yeah. are fouls <laughs> flopping all over the place. It becomes crazy. Shouting, so the, ref, the referee has said eight minutes of stoppage time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So what's your prediction for the
1: uh, Argentina-Brazil game? And then uh, your beloved Azuri.
0: I think this year, even though that Argentina team isn't great, I always, you know, I always try to root for the good story. And I do think that, uh, I am going to go with Argentina this time. I think Messi somehow will find a way to get it done and finally lift a major trophy for his country. Awesome. All right. And uh Italy on Sunday? Well, speaking of good stories, leave it. <laughs> leave it to the Brits to ruin the feel good oh, story. Know. To ruin yeah. the feel good story of the of tournament with Christian Eriksen and then, you know, you got to get the soft penalty, poor Denmark gets knocked out. <laughs> the feel good story of the tournament and the Brits took it and they ruined the story. Uh I'm worried I want Italy to win. I'm a little concerned with the speed. I thought, you know, Spain was giving Chiellini a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried about Sterling and Saka and then the guy that's the guys that they could bring off the bench. I'm, I'm worried about that. The only thing, the only reason I'd be a little hesitant about England is because the history there is that something will self-destruct. So I'm kind of hoping yeah. that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I think the fans, <laughs> there'll be a lot of pressure on the team, even though it is a home match for them. I kind of feel like it's Italy's year to do it. So maybe, maybe nice. I'll go, like maybe that. I'll go, I'm going with my, uh, my heart, probably not my head. I'll go with two one Italy.
1: All right, so I, I would also say that the English, they not only ruined the, the Christian Erickson story, but they booed the Denmark national anthem. I'm like, Kim, give me a break. What? And then they put the laser in front
0: of Casper's uh, yeah. eyes there in the goal. And it's weird too, right? Like whenever that happens, first of all, that's not every fan booing the anthem. That's like a bunch right. of idiots and they're going to make a lot of noise. And it's one moron shining the that laser at Casper yeah. Uh, yeah, And I get it, they're finding. The, you know, England Football Federation, it's, come on, man. It's a bunch yeah, yeah. of morons in the crowd. And, hey, the Italian fans did the same thing in the semifinals when they said, here's the Spain National Anthem, and the, the crowd started booing. It's like a silly thing yeah. that fans yeah. do. I'm not going to take it out on the federations of those well, soccer Well,
1: boo- we were talking about the Mexico fans a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, with the bottles and stuff yeah. that, not bottles, but I think, you know, the stuff that was hitting
0: the players let's, in the corner. L- let's be fair. As some of the best rivalries in soccer, we know what most of them are. And maybe we're only saying this because we're in the U.S. I think USA Mexico is an awesome rivalry, it's a big here. one. I know the two know. teams all like true. each other. It's competitive games, the emotion there. That game that they played, where was that game in Colorado? That was yeah. a lot of fun. That game, right. it really was.
1: That was good stuff. So, all right. So the Italians are going to take it, Frankasola. Well, uh, we we think. Well, I don't it's know. It's I I, I kind of back you up, Let's Frank. Let's get
2: this up on social media immediately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want I want them to win after what happened four years ago when Sweden parked the bus and then they scored off of a long throw in a scramble in the box. And then the, the return leg for the world cup play in went to Milan and Italy had about 35 chances and couldn't score. That was that was disappointing. So mm-hmm. it's good to see the way that they came back. I got to be honest. I'll be happy either way because there's a lot of miserable Brits that live in my town. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but we'll cheer about they all right, all right. Well, they won't be happy anyway. All
1: right, Frank. Man, we appreciate you joining us so much uh, from around the horn, a PTI, a Net Studio Analyst, SiriusXM NBA Radio, dude. When do you sleep? That's amazing. You got a lot of stuff going on. Warza Azuri.
0: <laughs> yeah. And goes
1: through Sunday. Frank, thanks for joining us on OTB. Thanks guys. Hey, remember to tweet us at over the ball, like us on Facebook and Instagram and write a review. In fact, make us one of your favorites. It makes a big difference. All right. How, how great is Frank Isola? That's, yes. uh, he's got a lot of jobs, knows his soccer. I don't know where he finds the time. It was, uh, it was great talking to him. We got to get him on more guys because yeah. he's, uh, He's like the perfect. I guest. love
2: him. I love him representing the beautiful game on uh, around the horn and PTI. He's always the guy that's pushing soccer, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, so uh, so really good stuff. So, or a couple things I just wanted to mention really quick: uh, Sergio Ramos is going to uh, PSG. Did that surprise you guys?
2: Well, they, he, you know, there was this back and forth. He wanted two years. Real Madrid said they'd only give him one. And uh, then the timing ran out in the contract. And yeah, so I think that, you know, they kind of forced his hand, unfortunately. But uh, I don't, you know, I, I think he's still got a couple years left in him. I, Sergio Ramos will go down as one of the best defenders in the history of the game. You like him or lo- like him or hate him? I hate him for what he did to Salah. Um, Salah Sala there it was yeah. cheap. And, he, you know, he's
1: always looking. Look, if you want to hurt somebody on the pitch, it, there's ways to do it. Uh, we both, you know, I've always tried to be a clean player, a hard player, yeah. but clean. There's ways to hurt people. And I, I think Sergio, he's in the dark arts a little bit. I think and, Pepe
2: uh, is the only guy who's had more red card. Pepe from Portugal is the only major player who's had more red cards than Sergio. Almost. And,
1: and Pepe is not the player that Sergio was. I would no, look, I would love even, for no. Sergio to be on my team. Yes. Uh, but I wouldn't want to play against him because I think he sort of goes into the dark art stuff. Yeah. Um, Toronto FC fired Chris Armas after only 11 games. So, uh. That was, I mean, it looked like kind of everybody knew it was coming with like a one, eight, and two start. Uh, well, it was
2: interesting, though. Like two days before, Michael Bradley, who I have more and more respect for, came out and basically pinned it on his performance, his leadership, the, the, his own play. He owned it. And then unfortunately, you know, clearly trying to defend his coach. And then unfortunately, like two days later, Armis is fired. So Yeah, they
1: played together on the national team. Yeah. So they were probably, you know, but yeah, you feel like you let down a coach. Hey, look, as a player and as a captain, that's how you're supposed to feel. I think yeah. a lot of these players point the fingers, you know, where like I was saying that Costa Rican taxi driver blamed everything on the coach. And I'm like, How about the players? They were uninspired, you know, talking about that game. So, all right, Sam, do you have a quiz for us?
3: Okay, so I just have a really short quiz, perhaps to make up for my really long one last week. Um, So of the 24 teams in the Euro 2020 field, uh, only two uh, wore jerseys that were manufactured by a domestic, you know, kit maker. Uh, can you guys tell me who they were? So, just to clarify, the United States wearing a Nike jersey would count as a domestic kit maker. Brazil wearing a Nike jersey. All right, I got my answer. Not. I got
1: my answer. I to be way off too. Uh, Germany with Adidas and France with Lecoq Sportif. Well, isn't Adidas
2: domestic for Germany?
3: No, no, What's I thought,
2: question? but I thought you meant somebody other than Nike and Adidas. Am I misinterpreting the question? No, it's just a
3: domestic kit maker.
1: Who Wears their domestic kit basically,
3: right? Who wears a kit made by a domestic kit maker by a company yeah, from just, that country?
2: From that country, Grail. Yeah. So that's why. Oh, I, I got you. Okay, I misinterpreted the question. So you said, Ger- you
1: said Germany, Germany with Adidas. I, I don't even know if French, the French wear Lecoq Sportif, but I could be like dating myself saying that reference. I'm not sure.
2: Um. I'm going to go with like with somebody obscure like Ukraine.
3: Okay, Germany is right with Adidas. And the second one is Denmark with Hummel. Oh, oh I thought Hummel, Hummel was German. Interesting. No, Hummel's Danish. Yeah. Danish. Yeah. Um, you may have dated yourself. A... I don't know.
2: Hey, by, think, by the way, I guys, think... I just wanted to quickly mention, since I love him, Giroud Probably going to AC Milan. Well, I, you know what?
1: I certainly applaud that. Uh, yeah. um, he wasn't used enough in in the euros either i don't think he's he's no. always good for a goal man and exactly. i think they brought him on a little too late so uh and you know chelsea you could see it with tuchel it wasn't happening no um he They're was doing the it. job there but it, it wasn't enough to satiate him let's say exactly. in the soccer playing thing so all right boys good stuff uh would like to thank frank Asola from uh, all those places he works and all the great job he does i mean he just speaks so well to, uh, to everything. It puts it in a real American perspective. I, I love, uh, I love. He's a good player
2: on. too. I Frank shouldn't sell himself short. I played with him many times. He's a very good left back. All right. Well, that's the
1: thing I, I say to people, it's uh it's your freshman year. You get on a campus, you just got to hold on to, you know, yeah. you got to play until you get to that level. So, um, all right, everybody for Sam Griswold and Grail Hallett, I'm Kevin Flynn. We'll talk to you next week on OTB. Watch these finals. Everyone's going to be a great weekend. See you. Go England.